as John's been talking this year, he's talking about how this year is a year of opportunity. I don't know about you, but so far my opportunities have been not to take an offense, not to quit. I've had opportunities to forgive. I've had opportunities to feel lonely. I've had opportunities to be sad about things. I've had opportunities to be frustrated about things. I've had, so far, the opportunities that I've faced were not what I was excited about. <laughs> In January, we said, a year of opportunity, yay! So far, those opportunities have not been awesome. <laughs> they've been years of, they've been opportunities of growth in my heart. And so I felt maybe if I'm going through these things, maybe someone else is. And so I just felt today to share on guarding your heart. Because out of it flows everything. Everything comes from the condition of your heart. And, and when I started to do research on it, there were a lot of things on guarding your heart that talked about, um, that talked about like guarding your heart when you're falling in love. That did not seem right to me. Because in this passage, it, at the end of it, it says, you know, um, above all, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. It's the thing that your life comes out of. And that's Proverbs 4.23 if you're taking notes. Above all else, guard your heart. Now, the definition, biblically speaking, of your heart is the totality of who we are inside our emotions, our intellects, our desire, and our will. It's the choices. It affects the choices we make. It, uh, it, it's asking us to pay careful attention to our thoughts, our emotions, and our desires. Those are the, those are the things that, that God's asking us to do because in that place, then, when we have a guarded heart, our emotions stay in check. Our life stays in check. Our, our desires stay in check. Our, um, the way we see things stay in check. And otherwise, they get kind of crazy. I mean, you know what I mean. Like, you could be fine one second, and the next minute, you are going to stab somebody in the eye. Because, <laughs> you know, you, no, you did not just go, you know. And, and, and I think for women, I think this is one of our hardest things because we are more emotional. And, you know, you can tell when a, when a chick's going through something. Most, most people should not play poker. Because you walk up and it's like, hey, how's your day? Don't need to ask. Uh, you know, because it's written, all, it's written all over us. It's written in our body language. It's written in the way we walk. Like, a kid can tell when I walk in the room if I am in a happy place. or They're like, you know, they sit down a little faster when I walk in a certain way because just give me a second. I need a second before you talk to me because I should not be around human beings right now. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell them straight up, like, go away. You know, go, go. for your own safety, go away. You can come back in about two minutes, but for right now you need to go away. <laughs> and they're like, all right. And they just go back to, you know, we don't want to be around. But that's because we have to guard our heart, and it happens in just an instant. Now, in, the, in this analogy, it tells us, above all else, guard your heart. Why do we guard our heart? Because our heart is valuable. 
your heart is worth a lot because it's the core of your being. It, and, and he said, above all else, guard your heart. You should make it a top priority. It should be one of the first things that you do is you guard your heart. One of the most uh, abundant things that you do. One thing that you do all the time. And because your heart is the source of everything you do, your heart overflows into your thoughts, into your words, into your actions. And if you let it get unhealthy, it doesn't just impact you. It impacts your family, your friends, your ministry, your career, your legacy, what you leave behind. It's imperative, highly important that you guard it. And because your heart is under constant attack, why else would they say guard it if it wasn't under attack all the time? I mean, think about it. We're in, we're in situations every day where we, where we just see things or we hear things, and it's not because, and, and because of what we're filtering them through, it changes everything. Like, really, you got that out of <laughs> you got that out of what I said because that is not what I meant at all. And they're like, yeah, you know. And you can talk to people, and it's like, huh? Well, alrighty then. <laughs> that is awesome, but that's not what I meant, you know. And because we're in human relationships with people all the time. So those thoughts and those and those emotions are going to come all the time. And it comes in the form of circumstances where you become disappointed, discouraged, or disillusioned about what should be going on. Now, oh, is that next? No. Hold on. I'm out of order. There we go. All right. Whew. It's like, oh. Okay. So um, if you lose your heart, you've lost everything. Because when your heart gets toxic, your life gets toxic. And that is just, that is just the way it is. And uh, there are two conditions that God showed me. And these are all the things that, that can cause your heart to get toxic. Disappointment, complaining, pride. Uh, I put complaining on there twice. Maybe I thought. <laughs> Gossip and anger. You know, those are, those are, if you look at that list, unforgiveness, those are things that, that we can either struggle with or have opportunities to not engage in every day. Every time you come in contact with someone else, there will be an opportunity for some of these things to happen. Weariness, your life, unforgiveness, because someone said something that caused a hurt or a pain, disappointment, things didn't turn out the way that you thought they should or they could, disillusionment, this is not the way it was supposed to happen. I, 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 I believed that this was a certain way, and look, it's not at all. Anger, anger stems from bitterness, pride. And these, when, when, when we get caught up in these two things, it can cause, well, it can cause a lot of heart issues. There's a lot of heart issues out there, I'm just saying. <laughs> but the two that I felt to focus on today was a hardened heart and a bitter heart. And a hardened heart, if you, I, and I was really surprised at the gamut of things that were described as a hardened heart. It came from everything... When Jesus was walking on the water, he told the disciples to go to the other side. 
and they got in the middle of a storm. And as they were going across, they said it was, they were nine hours to get to the halfway point across this, across the sea. And it's usually in total a two hour trip. So at nine hours, they were halfway. So they've been fighting. They've been working really hard thinking they're going to die. But Jesus told him to go to the side. And when he saw them coming, when they saw him coming, they were surprised. And Jesus said, your heart is hardened. And I thought, wow, that's kind of a, you know, because when you tell somebody they have a hard heart, that's kind of a hard word to hear. You know, <laughs> that's kind of a, like, uh, all right, so you're going to explain this, right? But, but he said, you have a hard heart because they weren't focusing on, like they had just seen 5,000 people fed. And he said, you've forgotten what happened when I fed those people. In other words, you've forgotten who I am. And I've told you to go to the other side, so you should have known that you would be okay. And seeing me, you know, your, your heart wasn't in a good place. It was hardened because you stopped looking at me. That was one definition. I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, that kind of gives you permission to say, okay, I might have some areas that might be hardened if the disciples, you know, <laughs> they were nine hours out in a boat thinking they were going to die. And, you know, God chastised them for having a hardened heart because they were looking at the world more than they were looking at him. So today I'm going to just, you know, I'm going to give you permission to not get offended at me when I bring up things that you might have to look at yourself for. Because this was like, God, oh, I don't know that I like this word. I like happy words. I like when we get to jump around and today's a new day. Woo, it would be sunshine. You know, <laughs> I like those words, not the words that say, hey, we need to check our hearts. But <laughs> if we want today's a new day and there will be sunshine, we got to keep the toxic out of our hearts so just listen take what you need to don't take what you don't need to and i'm just the messenger so you still love me you can still love me when this is over just saying okay so what does a hardened heart look like it's insensitive it's cold it's unfielding it's unyielding and this is the part that that stuck out it's spiritually deaf and blind it dulls your ability to perceive and understand things spiritually. And, uh, it, and we all know what this is like. Like we've, we, and I think in, the, in looking at all this, I think you can have hardened hearts in different situations and with different people and with different things. Like your heart becomes hardened. And so you can, when it comes to hearing God, you can become spiritually dull in that area because you you don't understand. <laughs> you know, you don't you don't ever say that for realsies, but you do have those moments where you say, "This is a, this, this it is what it is. It's been proven over and over again. I don't have to receive from you. I don't have to hear anything about you because." My heart is hardened in this place. And so we stop, we stop kind of listening. And some of the ways that we can engage or our hearts can become hardened is engaging in complaining, in gossip, in disputes, and contentions. 
don't we, <laughs> don't we love to just tell other people how somebody else is so stupid and that's why you're feeling so frustrated that you just want stamina. That's my go-to sentence in case you were wondering. I will stab you in the eye. No, and it does, I don't mean it. That's just a phrase I use. <laughs> that, that's a point of love. Yeah, that, that's mine and Rachel's love language. No, but anyway. <laughs> but anyway, you know, you want other people to understand how you feel. Why what you're feeling is valid. Now, that's a great way to set yourself up for a hardened heart, is to gossip, even with the best intentions. Girl, we need to pray. You would not, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're doing this, 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 and this, and this is how they hurt me, and I will will pray for the forgiveness, and I will will pray that God heals them, and then I'm going to pray God, they give what they got coming to them. (laughs) Because we need to pray. And so what you've done is you've spread, then the person that you're talking to, then they have to deal with that. They have to decide. Now their heart, see how it said in the beginning, it not only contaminates you, but it contaminates your family. It contaminates your friends. It contaminates your relationships. It contaminates your ministry. Because you've taken an offense, and now you're giving it to someone else. We'll get to good stuff in a minute. Okay. Some of the symptoms of a hardened heart. It keeps pace with the world more than it does Jesus. It doesn't seek out or listen to godly counsel or wisdom from the Bible. It stops regularly communicating with God and seals off the work of the Holy Spirit. It loses faith in God's ability to bless or work miracles. It silences the conscience and suppresses truth. It does not desire forgiveness healing, faith, or hope. And it substitutes. This is where you can, this is where you can tell that you're moving that way. <laughs> it starts to substitute pleasure for righteousness. Oh, dang. Okay. <laughs> In case you were wondering, I've, God's been speaking to me about some areas. Uh, a hardened heart without treatment It can cause you to fall away from God entirely. And it can cause you to become spiritually corrupt and bankrupt. It deprives your spirit of nutrients and every good and amazing thing that God has planned for it. Okay, so that's a hardened heart. Bitter heart. Again, we'll get to the good stuff in a minute. Hold on. A bitter heart, some of the symptoms of a bitter heart is overreacting. <laughs> and, and if you have a bitter root, you one of the, I know, I was surprised. I was like, what? And overreacting to, and this, you know, if, if you are a drama queen or if you, like, and, and the definition is to react with unnecessarily, unnecessary or inappropriate force be that emotional be that a retrieval be that uh forceful be that getting my way get out of my way (laughs) 
you're not getting your way. <laughs> this is an overreaction. This is an over-the-top over response to something that is not that big of a deal. And this is how, this is how you can see if you have a bitter root about something, if your heart's become bitter about something. And it could be something totally unrelated. I mean, forgive me. You'll have to walk in love because I'm going to tell you something. I was in a place where I was struggling with this with a, with a person in my heart. And my dog decided to growl at my other dog. Like, you know, like she was going to, one dog was going to just try to eat the other dog. And I took that dog, grabbed it by its neck, spanked it, and threw it outside. And John looked at me like, <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I'm going to sleep with my eyes open tonight because that was crazy. <laughs> that looked a lot like crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I know. I don't know where that came from. I'm poor dog. I that dog, I mean, it was, now the dog was wrong for trying to eat my other dog and bark at it and growl at it and snap at it. That was not right. But my response was crazy. I was like, oh, dang. I just looked like my mom right there. That's the way my mom used to spank me. She'd go to crazy town, man, and she'd be like, whoop, and it was on. <laughs> and anybody standing around, they got, they got beat. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it was like in your house, but I got beat every day. I got spanking every day. Now, I deserved like 98% of them. Some of them. I was just collateral damage. Some of you know, mama got mad. She spanked, and she spanked till we were done. And it was like, oh, I've seen that look. That was my mom. That was crazy. That was crazy town. I'm in crazy town right now. And it was because I was struggling with an area in my heart. I mean, I know it was, especially after I got to do this lesson. I know that's what it was. And it was because I had not dealt with it. I hadn't put it in a place where I needed to. I hadn't given it fully to God. I was justified in my offense. Now, in this, I'm not saying the things that happen to you aren't real. I'm not saying that they aren't substantiated. I'm not saying that they aren't, you know, that you're making them up. <laughs> they're, they're, they're true things that are coming against you. However, you have to guard your heart because if you don't, you could end up in crazy town wailing on your dog and throwing them out of the house and scaring everyone involved. I mean, <laughs> it was like, I, I was like, I am not going to bed. That was, cra- that was crazy. And, and so, you know, you have to, your bitter heart is something that, that stems from, and here's the things that it comes from. I'll, I'll let you know in, in case you were wondering. <laughs> it, um, it's a negative complaining attitude toward life. Your whole personality and character becomes infected with the poison of bitterness. A negative spirit is the first symptom. If you find yourself picking people apart for no or uh, just picking people apart for any reason, that's a, that's a negative spirit. A bitter spirit can't seem to love or be loved. Oh, let's see. Um, a bitter spirit can also wear a mask of self-righteousness. This is the worst possible kind of life because it brags about your goodness while harboring a bitter spirit. 
Bitterness often seeks religious clothes to wear. It loves to surround itself with activities to prove its worth to God enough to solidify its basis for bitterness. There's nowhere to hide, ladies. <laughs> there no I was like, whoa. Um, and bitterness causes or comes from pride. It's when you believe that God or man has treated you unfairly. And if you feel like you've been mistreated, abused, and you don't deserve what you're getting, or you feel like you're better than that, that's where the bitter root comes from. Or if you compare yourself to others, you start looking at um, how God is giving to someone else and not to you. Um, so when you get in these places, when you put yourself in pride, it, get, it makes it easy for the devil to tempt you with jealousy, bitterness, doubt, anger, giving in to temptation and pride. And anger acts like poison on the body. It affects you both physically and spiritually, and it makes you even more vulnerable to hurt others with your actions and your words. Okay, so we need to guard our heart because none of us want to. None of us want to be in crazy town. None of us want to be in that place where everything that that happens to us, and and you can tell because when something happens to you, like if correction comes, you take it personally. If uh, someone says something to you, you have an over-the-top response. You begin to shut people out. You begin to push people away. You begin to stop uh, having relationships with people that that bring you life. People, you know, it says iron sharpens iron. You don't want to be around people who are trying to sharpen you. You avoid them. You don't want to be in a place where you can hear the word of God because you feel like what you're going through, what you're feeling is justified, and they don't understand. You don't get it. You And there's nothing more sad than to, you know, we said it's a year of opportunity, and, and there's the easiest way to miss an opportunity is to disqualify yourself. If the devil can come and tell you, you know what she meant, They didn't say hi. They don't they don't really appreciate you. All those kind of things when he comes and whispers and you're like they did not they did not say hi to me. Are you serious? Why didn't they say hi to me? I've done nothing but love on them. And they did not come and say hi to me. Are you serious? They're gonna bless them. Don't they know what I've been doing? Are you serious? Where's my blessing, God? Come on. For real? And, you know, we get caught up, and it just takes one little word. One little word that we take and let root. Then everything else that happens, we filter it through that bitter root. And we just turn into crazy. <laughs> and and you can watch because there, people's responses become over the top. and And it's like, well, they don't even notice me anymore. They don't even, and, and it's not like, you know, because when you go to crazy town, nobody wants to visit you. 
Nobody wants to hang out and have lunch with you. And, and the people that do, you don't want there with you. Just saying. Misery loves company. <laughs> and they will take you down a path that you were like, how did I get here? I'm lost. I don't know. I've never seen it. Wow. We're in a, wow. This is a deep part of crazy town I've never been to. You know, and, and they'll whirl you around. You'll whirl each other around and justify each other. And yes, you should feel that way. And yes, you should get back at them. And yes, you should stab them in the eye. <laughs> you should. That would be awesome. I will hold them. You stab, you know. <laughs> You know, you see those crazy things on Facebook. A real friend's the one that says, I'll help you dig the hole. No, what? <laughs> no. And so, you know, you have to be careful what you let in. So we're going to guard our heart. Now, a healthy heart is essential for survival. Guard it. And here's the first way we do that. The first way. Not yet. Take that off. (laughs) Okay. First thing we do is we control our thinking. It says in Philippians 4, 8, it says, Finally, brethren and sister, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You have to say, no. When that thought comes, you have to say, no, that's not for me. You must have intended that for someone next door. That's not my delivery. You know, because if you don't, if you don't block those things, they will take a root. If it bothers you, go talk to them. Instead of going over and saying, you know, I just had an encounter with my friend, and she said some bad stuff to me, and I was wondering what I should do. And this is what all the things that she said, and then I got my feelings hurt, and then... That's ridiculous. Go talk to them. Hey, you hurt my feelings. That's honesty. In honesty, the devil cannot play. In honesty... The devil has no place. Honest communication. Honest communication. Don't hide behind what you think they want to hear to make it better. Don't hide behind. This is how, you know, honesty. When you did this, I felt this way. If you think it's necessary. Now, if you can just kick it to the curb, just kick it to the curb. If you can just say... I have time time in my life for that right now. (laughs) I got to keep going. And because you have to decide, you have to look at it and decide, is it worth it? Instead of letting the devil trick you into thinking it is, decide for yourself. Is this worth it? Is this something I need to have a conversation about or can I take care of this myself? How many times have you told that to your kids? You guys fix this or I'm going to help you. It will be better if you do it yourself. <laughs> you know, so I'm sure God looks at us and says, can you fix that? Because if you can, awesome. If not, I'm going to help you. All right, I think I can do so. <laughs> I'd rather not go to the altar and cry. <laughs> I just 
take care of this right now. I'm good. <laughs> you know, but if it's something that you can't let go, go to that person. Don't go to someone else and tell them how you were wronged and then let them tell you, go to them and talk to them. Most likely that person has no idea that they hurt your feelings. They have no idea that what they said affected you that way. And they probably didn't even mean it the way you heard it. That was just a little whisper. Because the devil's really good at twisting things. Really good. And it's so convincing. Like, oh, I fell for that again. Dang it. You know, <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was ridiculous and stupid. What was I thinking? And if you're wondering what it sounds like in my head, that's what it sounds like. <laughs> wow, you are silly. You know, <laughs> but we have to be that honest with our, it starts with being honest with yourself. Honest with yourself enough to say, okay, that hurt me. Instead of shoving it down and saying, eh, that's not, that's not a big deal. I can, it's, not, it's all good. We have to be honest with ourselves. Then we have to be honest with others. Honest communication. Honest communication. Okay, so when those thoughts come, replace it with something awesome. Replace it with whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy. Think on that instead. Because there's something about your interaction. You choose to interact with people on purpose. So there's something in them that you see that's awesome. Or you would not talk to them, most likely. And it's usually the people that are closest to us that cause us to go to this crazy place the quickest. So being honest with them is important. Okay, so... Now, this is preventative medicine. The four R's, we're going to call them. Reflection. Spend time with God. This is in worship. I mean, think about it. We worship for five minutes. And how, you could, how many of you could feel the tangible anointing and presence of God in that place, in that time? Did it cost you anything? No. Did it take much effort? No. I mean, there's Pandora. That's full free. You can get worship full free if you have the internet. You don't have to have, we don't have to buy CDs like we used to. Like, oh, if I only had a worship CD. No, you have Pandora. And you all have the internet, most of you. You can get it for free. It will stream full free from your phone. And it takes... Just a second. $1.29 gets you a song on iTunes. If you can only get one, play that one over and over. I've got songs that it just takes me one second of the beginning of it, and I am whisked away. And everything changes. And immediately God starts speaking to my heart. Immediately. Find that song. Find that passage. Find that verse that immediately takes you from what you're feeling to what God wants you to, to see. Because it's not about our feelings. Our feelings are crazy. Our feelings are wild. Like, you want Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, man, get a hold of your feelings. It is nuts. You think the beast wants to shadow, shake your brains out. I ain't for, 
Like, your emotions are nuts. You cannot trust them at all. Now, we like them when they make us feel good. That's the only time we like them. The rest of the time, we do, we do not like them. We can appreciate them because it's, we're part, they're in our body. We have to deal with them. They're part of our makeup. They're part of our chemistry. We have to deal with feelings. But we don't have to let our feelings deal with us. They aren't our wherewithal. I had a kid the other day that said something about, oh, I was letting him write pass notes because it was like four minutes left in class. Oh, you can pass notes. I don't care. But the rule is you can't talk about, you can't talk about uh, drugs or alcohol. You can't talk about sex, and you can't talk about me. Those are the three rules for pass notes. <laughs> you know, no cuss words. Those are, those are the rules. You know, when we have like, okay, you can pass notes for five minutes. I don't care. I just don't want them talking. Because it all has to be on paper because I like quiet. But anyway, those are, the, those are the things that you, and they're like, what if I want to say that you're the best teacher ever? I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Lying's bad for your soul. But, <laughs> but if, and I told him, I said, if I got caught up in that you thought I was the best teacher ever, then next week when you think I'm the worst teacher ever, I would be in a ditch. I don't care about your 14-year-old opinion because it would make me, because one second you love me and the next second you hate me because you're 12. And that's the way you're made up. So I really don't care if you like me or don't like me. And they're like, you don't care? Nope, not at all. Because that's a roller coaster ride that I'm not willing to get on. You could just go have your roller coaster somewhere else and I'll help keep you as level as possible. So that's the way it is with our emotions. If we let our emotions dictate who we are and how we interact with people, we will always be crazy. Up and down and around and side. And, oh, oh. Somebody's always having to pick us up and dust us off and push us along and, hey, come on, let's go. Or, you know, if someone doesn't praise you when you're doing well, then you're in a ditch. And if someone doesn't pick you up when you're not doing well, you're in a ditch. And, you know, that, it's so much easier to just be here. So, treatment. Uh, okay, that's the first one. Spend time with God. It's getting lost in his presence swallows up the crazy that's around you. Second discipline, rest. God made you to take a 30-year day off. A quick way to lose perspective is to not use the shut-off switch that he gave you. Rest. If your life is in a place where you're not getting the rest that you need, something's got to give. Something's got to give. Um, oh, and this is a great one. The discipline of recreation. There's a difference between amusement and recreation. How many of you guys have taken trips and you came back and you're like, I am more tired than when I left, especially as the moment. Like, you're just like, yay, we went to Disney. I'm sure somewhere along the way I'll remember something that was good. <laughs> and now I'm tired. You know, that, that's amusement. And, and we need that in our life. Like, we need excitement every once in a while. Like, woo! That was, that was fun. But recreation is an opportunity to express yourself creatively. 
Yay. We all, and I'm, I am becoming more and more convinced that we all need a creative outlet in our life. We need the ability to make something from ourselves. Now, and I, I hear people all the time say, I'm not creative. Oh, yeah, you are. You'd be, su- you'd be surprised. And there's nothing, I mean, it, there, it just gives you a fulfillment. It gives you, I, and this could be, if you like to write, it could be writing. It could be, um, you can build things. You can grow things. You, but it, it, it's something that takes a part of you and puts it into something else. If you sing, then it's, you know, singing, you can play instruments, you can paint things, you can, you know, if nothing else, you can create, like, little, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, there's all kinds of things you can do. Like, but give yourself an opportunity to express yourself creatively. You need baking a cake. And these all seem like things that we never, ever have time to do. But when we make time to do them, we feel so much better. Like, uh, when we went on that fast, the thing that I missed, the thing that made me be a little, like, balanced, I mean, like, I knit, so that gives me a creative outlet. And I work on stuff here at church, and that gives me a creative outlet. But I miss, I miss cooking. Like, when you're juicing, there's no cooking. There's no, there's no stirring. There's no adding. And John hates that I'm creative when I cook because it's always different every single time. <laughs> That's one of his most frustrating things. Is like every time I make something, they're yep. They eat it and they're like, oh, that was really good. Unfortunately, it will never, ever be the same. <laughs> You're right. And I've just come to grips with this. Like, I, but every time I go in the kitchen, it's like, what do we have? You know, and, and I, John will be like, what are you going to make tonight? I'm like, chicken. <laughs> He's like, well, what are you going to do with it? I don't know. I haven't started yet. And <laughs> Okay. <laughs> He's, He's gotten to this place where he can go with it. He used to just be like, <laughs> he would eat it and it would be different. And, and like his little, his little brain just couldn't even accept it. He was like, on Burger King. <laughs> I'm out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because he's, and, and like I, in the beginning, I couldn't tell him like, we're going to have lasagna for dinner. And then he'd come home and it'd be tacos. And it'd be like, I can't eat tacos. We're having lasagna. <laughs> this is going to taste weird as lasagna. I can't eat it. Yeah. <laughs> I brought him a long way. My, unfortunately, my habits have got him to a place where mm, he's learned to be. I'm, I'm helping him grow. Okay. And the last, now these are things, these are preventative medicine. If you do these on a regular basis, they will help prevent you from having to have to guard, uh, guard your heart as much. I mean, we still have to guard our heart, but these are things that keeps your heart clean and pure. Relationships. Now, in our world of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and I don't know if there's more since then, I'm sure, that I've missed out on. But uh, 
we have lots of faux relationships where you're like, oh, yay. And there's no real human. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there's no human interaction. We're not really building a community. And that's why I'm so excited about the, about the groups that we have. Because it gives us an opportunity to sit down and get in each other's lives. Which is what we need. We need people to sit down and talk to. We need people to talk to us. We need people, you know, we need to have someone that we can honestly say, all right, let me have it. Is there a place in my life I'm missing it? Go on. Just tell me. You know, it's easier coming from you than John. <laughs> so if you could just, you know. And then, you know, but, but that, that's, that's a relationship. That's someone that, did you know that they're going to talk to you in love? It's not about beating you up. It's not about going, you are awful. You know, <laughs> I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> and so you're, you're in a place where you're safe. When you start forming relationships, you get to a place where you're safe with someone where you know that they're going to talk to you honestly, but they're going to talk to you in love so that, that you can become a better form of you. That's the goal, right? To be a, the best form of me that I can be. That's my goal. And, and when, so a relationship is something that, that keeps you honest with yourself and with the people around you. And they can tell you, yes, you are being awful. And you can receive it because you know, yes, you were totally wrong when you beat the dog and threw it outside the house. <laughs> Crazy. You know, but, but you can hear that and not think that they're judging you in the middle of it. They just want you to be better because nobody wants somebody else to live in Crazy Town. They would rather you leave, sell the house. Some of us have condos <laughs> so our friends can stay when we need them to. Yeah, we have whole apartment buildings. Yes, there's an empty room down the hall. <laughs> yeah, so relationship, that's the key. Now, treatments. First, the first, now if you think, now in this, I know I've made lots of jokes and lots of funnies, but in this, God is going, I, I, I want you to ask God to search your heart. We, in the natural, we go get EKGs or other heart type tests that says, hey, there's something a little jacked up there. You might want to fix it. You know, it tells you all kinds of stuff. It's, it gives you a prognosis of what's going on inside your heart. We have, a, we have the Holy Spirit that does the same thing. If we say, Lord, could you check my heart? <laughs> you know, it, and it's kind of as scary as getting an EKG. <laughs> like, because nobody wants to hear that they have a hard heart. Nobody wants to hear that they're bitter. I know, <laughs> I mean, that just sound bitter root. <clears throat> you know, nobody wants that. And because it has so many emotions attached to it, we're scared of what God will say. But, remember, on the other side of this is life. 
On the other side of this is peace. On the other side of this is joy. On the other side of this is being able to communicate with people openly and honestly and, and not coming in thinking, get away, walk away, don't come back. You know, because we have to have, we have to be free in our hearts so that we don't miss the opportunities that God has. Because if the devil can tell you a little secret and get you hiding over in the corner, mad at the world, he doesn't have to worry about the people that are around you that you're supposed to touch. Problem solved. You're out. And so if you disqualify yourself, easy smeezy. I don't have to worry about that one. Done. They're self-destructing. And you will. You will self-destruct, and you will tear down every relationship that you have. In Proverbs, it says, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. And we have been, in instances, tearing down our house, our relationship, our, 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 our testimony with people because we are scared to look at our heart. And so the first thing is, ask God to search your heart. Proverbs 16, it says, For God sees not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Pray that God will show you where your heart is vulnerable and weak. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and leads me along a path. Second thing, God changed my heart. Once he shows it to you, you have to be willing to change. And this is like, you know, these are preventative medicine. This is eat right and exercise. But when you find yourself in a position where you need medicine, this is it. Second, ask God to change your heart. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew, my, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. That sounds 5110. God can fix your heart no matter what its spiritual state is. All you have to do is repent. Create in me a new heart, Lord. Saturate yourself with the word. If you want to see change, you have to ha- give God, I mean, God has to be greater than any other input if you want real change. The things of God, ha- I'm going to say that again because I kind of messed it up. The things of God has to be greater than any other input in your life if you want to see real change. If you want a Band-Aid, you can repent and go back. And that will work for a while. And then eventually, that's going to ooze up and cause something awful. The third thing, humble yourself before God and repent. If you can, don't talk it out, kick it out. The, wor- the world wants you to talk it out. The world says, oh, go express your feelings to each other and go back and forth and, until they understand your point of view. Or you could just kick it out. It says in Ephesians 4.31, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all the malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God forgave you. See, life's hard. So I I tell kids this all the time. Life's hard. And 
someone else is going through something like you're going through something. And if you allow them to, the grace to be a human being, you are sowing seeds of grace. Therefore, you're allowing yourself the grace to be a human being because you're going to need someone to forgive you along the way. You're going to say something out of your bad moment that you're going to need forgiveness. And when you allow people that grace and you say, you know what, that's between them and God. That doesn't have to rule my life. That doesn't have to affect me. That's between them and God. And they'll, they'll sort it out. They love God. They know God. They'll, they'll get it. I don't, have to, I don't have to live with that offense. Ultimately, your, protect, your protection lies in Jesus. It says, the Lord, is the, strength in my, the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him, my heart trusts. And I am helped, and my heart exalts, and will sing, and I give thanks to him. And with my song, I give thanks to him, Proverbs 28, 7. When, we, when we're in these places, we begin to justify our actions. But you have to think to yourself, what does it profit you to take that hurt? How is that going to cause your life to be better if you receive that hurt? You know, just like everything else, we speak those things that are not as if they are. We don't have to take what someone else says. We can be like Teflon. It can just roll right off us. We don't have to take offenses and then deal with them. We can just not take the offense in the first place. Why do you need other people to understand or pay for the hurt or the offense? What makes you the judge and jury for someone else? It says, judge not that you be not judged. When you decide that what they're doing is wrong, you've taken what you believe is true and you're using it as a standard against them. You're judging them. And that's the quickest way to take an offense is to stand in judgment of someone else. What does it profit your life? Why do you care what they said? Why do you care what they think? Why do you care that they're saying horrible things about you? Why does that matter? Why, are, why does it matter if they're attacking your character? These are, these are real-life things. These are things that people are, feel justified in holding on to. Why do you care? Because, see, when you start caring, you take an offense. You take unforgiveness. You take all these things, and then your life becomes tainted. Your heart becomes tainted, and you can't stand before God. You can't minister to people. You, it, all those things, because it says God resists the proud, and that's pride saying, I am justified in this because it's real. I'm not saying they're not real. I'm not saying by the world's standards, you're not justified. I'm saying, do, are you willing to pay that price in your life and in your heart? So, again... I give you permission to still love me. Um, But I think we have to look at our hearts today. Because, and and especially as I look around the room, you guys are are workers. 
You guys are people who stand in the gap. You guys are people who are, are, are interacting with people on a regular basis. So it becomes eminently important that your heart is in a good place. You know, if, if you're struggling in this area, be honest with the person. If you're struggling in this area, immerse yourself in serving others. There's no quicker way to get out of yourself than to serve someone else. Father, I thank you that as we sit in your presence, Lord, Father, that the things that you reveal to us, that we have the strength, Father, that we have the courage, Father, to walk out, Father, that we can honestly look at ourselves through your love. Father, that in your presence, through your love, we can look honestly and lay it at your feet. Father, we're tired of paying the price of bitterness and and hard-heartedness. We're tired of paying the price, Lord, that that sets us out of the game. We want to play the game, Lord. We We want to be in. Father, there's nothing better or more than you in our lives. I thank you, Father, that that we practice this on a daily basis. Lord, that we're reminded daily of how important it is to guard our heart, that we don't take thoughts, that that we don't take offenses, that we don't take hurts, that we don't take disappointments, that we don't take things, Father, that that disillusion us as to how they're supposed to be. Lord, I thank you that we give them to you. We repent, Lord, and we ask you to create in us a new heart, to create in us a heart that's pliable and soft, to remove a heart of stone and put it in its place, a heart of flesh that beats for you, that beats for you. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We give you praise. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Well, don't pick it up when you get back out in your car. If there's a text message on your phone that says something that you don't love, delete it. (laughs) Mentally, spiritually, and physically. Amen? Amen. Let, Let God be awesome in that place. Thanks for coming, ladies. You are a beautiful group of women.